several weeks since Easter and just examining what the Holy Spirit is doing and how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And uh, as you remember, we looked at the strength of the Holy Spirit in order to bring comfort to us and how Paul prayed for the Christians in Ephesus that they would just know by the power of the Holy Spirit the, what was it, the, uh, I can't remember, how does it start, with? No. <laughs> yeah, width, it starts with width. The width and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ. And it's by the Holy Spirit that we know just how much God loves us through Christ. And uh, then we looked uh, at the Holy Spirit working in the various different ways in the agency of the Holy Spirit, that He's working through the Word of God, He's working through prayer, He's working through the people around us. But the Holy Spirit is active in our lives in lots of different ways. And when then we looked last week at uh, the Holy Spirit giving us the power to walk according to the Spirit, that we are not trapped in the Romans 7 defeat of our flesh, but in fact, the Holy Spirit calls us to live in the victory of Romans 8. And so in Romans 7, Paul explains uh, the despair that he feels over the weakness of his flesh. And yet in Romans 8, thanks be to God, we have the Holy Spirit that gives us power to walk according to the Spirit. And uh, so we're just continuing in that. And today, uh, uh, just going to talk about spiritual gifts. Another way that the Holy Spirit is working, and specifically working through us as a people together, is through spiritual gifts. And, and learning about the spiritual gifts and what our spiritual gift might be. How we're meant to exhibit the gift of the Holy Spirit that's been given to us by God. And uh, our text today is in Romans 12, verses 4 to 8. And uh, I'll, just, I'll just read that text for you. It says, uh, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, and so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. So we're all together in Christ. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And then he goes on to talk about the different gifts. But I just wanted to stop there for just a minute and talk about the idea of each of us being given different gifts and how they're supposed to work together. And uh, I conveniently have four boys right here in the front row that are paying close attention to what's going on. So if I could have these four boys just come here, because God the Holy, God has given through the Holy Spirit each of us individually gifts. And I have, I have gifts here as an example. And so I, I could give you a gift. Say I'm your mom or your dad, and I give you a gift. Say, oh, there's a gift for you, and there's a gift for you, and there's a gift for you, and there's a gift for you. So you all have gifts, right? It's nice to get a gift, isn't it? It's good to get a gift. Okay, so what do you do with your gift? you got a bat there. What do you, what do, you do with that? Hit things. You can hit things with it, yeah? You can wave it around. You can pretend it's a lightsaber or something, right? That's kind of cool. And what have you got there? A glove? A tar- I think it's a target. Well, no, it's just, don't worry about him. What's your gift? What do you do with that? You like wear it as a hat. You could put it on as a hat or something like that. Yeah, and you got, what do you got? You got a ball. What can you do with that? You whip it at your siblings? Yeah, you could do that. You could use it as a weapon. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Oh, he's got an idea. What are you doing over there with that? You want to throw it at the club? Hey, there you go. That's a good idea. So you all have individual gifts, but what if you all use your gifts together? What could you do? You can play a game, right? You can play baseball, right? So the gifts are they're pretty neat on their own, but they're much better when you use them together, right? They're much more effective. You got the idea? Yeah, and that's what our spiritual gifts are like too. Our spiritual gifts that God gives us, we all have a gift, a spiritual gift that's given to us that's great for us. And we can feel really good about our spiritual gift and how we use it, but the idea that Paul is getting at here in Romans is that if you use your gifts together, we've each been given different gifts, and if we use them together, 
they're far more effective. And so we're going to look at those gifts. Thanks, guys. You can, you can just, you can take these. I'm going to take them. I would let you keep them, but I'm going to take them because I know what you'll do with them in the front row there. And so that's the idea that Paul is getting at. That Paul says that we are, we all have been given different gifts and they differ according to the grace that's been given to us. And so we each have different things that are good for us individually, but so much better when we use them together. And then he goes through what those gifts are. He says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so Paul outlines some of these spiritual gifts that we could use. And so we're going to look at what these gifts are. And there's, there's typically six areas or, uh, in the New Testament places where it refers to spiritual gifts. And if you're interested in that, I have a chart of those, of those different places. And um, there's a couple of them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then here in Romans chapter 12 that we're looking at, and in Ephesians 4.11, and in 1 Peter 4.10 uh, t- uh, and following. And so there's, there's the list of the different gifts as they're talked about in Scripture. And uh, if you want that chart, I'll, I'll put it online with the sermon afterwards. Um, but you can go there and you can see the types of gifts that God has given to us by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to consider the gifts that Paul describes as we try to discern for ourselves which gift we have. Because some people, they don't know that they have a spiritual gift, or they've never discovered it, or they've, they've tried to find it, but they, they can't figure out what it is. And, uh, and we want to know what our spiritual gift is and how to use it. And so we're going to run through these and talk about what they are uh, individually and then look at a way how we might discover, a couple of different ways we might discover uh, what our spiritual gift is and how to use our gift properly. Because you can use your gift properly and improperly. And so the first one is, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. And prophecy is simply declaring the truth. It's foretelling or foretelling. It is, is speaking forth the truth of what is going on in somebody's life and what the consequences might be uh, if, if they continue in the way that they're going or if they don't change their ways. Or just telling the truth to people so that they're aware of how to act. And it calls forth an action out of them. When, when prophecy is effective, it brings action out of people. And so in John chapter 4, just as an example, Jesus declared truth uh, to the, the woman at the well. And uh, he said to the woman at the well, um, when he met with her, uh, that she was speaking to him and, and talking to him. And the woman, he told, told to the woman, he said, go call your husband. And, and he, she said, I have no husband. And that was true. She didn't have any husband. And, Paul, and Jesus said, that's true. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the one that you're with isn't your husband. And so here he's speaking prophecy or he's speaking truth to this woman. And then he goes on to say, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And so here's an example of Jesus speaking prophecy. He's speaking prophetically in that he knows something about the woman. He's speaking in the sort of miraculous gift of prophecy that he knows about this woman. But he's also speaking prophecy in terms of truth of what is to come. He's speaking the truth of God to this woman. And the truth that he speaks has a result. So he's talking about us even. You know, he's, he's speaking forth of a time that even speaks of the church now that we no longer worship in the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus is speaking about the truth that we worship now in spirit and in truth, and we're not worried about the temple in Jerusalem. And so he's speaking this truth to this woman. 
And he wants to motivate this woman in her desire for righteousness because he knows that she wants to be righteous. He knows that she is seeking. He knows that she's in despair over the condition of her life and she's searching for something more. And so he speaks truth into her life and it works. Jesus reaches in and says exactly what her heart needs to hear for her to respond. And so she runs off and gets the whole town to come and listen to him. And that's the gift of prophecy. You have a gift that's given to you by the Spirit to speak exactly the thing that a person needs around you to hear. And so you can speak prophetically to people in that you encounter people, you know the condition of their heart, and you speak the truth of God into their situation so that they respond. That is the gift of prophecy, to speak forth truth to the heart and to the need of the person that you are with. And so prophecy is, is taking people higher and elevating people uh, and, and bringing to them the word and the truth that they need and speaking it forth and using the truth to spur people forward in their faith. But then Paul says, in service, in your serving, if you have this gift of service, then use it in serving. And service or ministry is illustrating the truth by acting it out. It's one, for, it's one thing to speak forth truth into somebody's life, and we need prophets in order to speak forth truth into, our, into the heart of our life and into our lives. But we need people to demonstrate it and to act it out and to love and to show mercy. And Jesus did this too as well because Jesus obviously had all of the spiritual gifts, right? He, didn't, he wasn't lacking in any of them. And so Jesus had all the gifts and he did this too. When Jesus prophetically spoke the truth forth, he also showed the truth. And he, he acted out and served in the truth. He showed love practically. When Jesus knew people were hungry... He fed them. When Jesus knew that people were sick, He healed them. When He understood that people were distressed, He comforted them. When He found people that were lost, He guided them. Ministry, or the gift of service, is serving people practically. Not just talking about it, but illustrating it. And it is of utmost importance in the church that we have people that not just speak the truth, but actually illustrate the truth in their service. There is a, a great story in Acts chapter 9 that demonstrates the value of this spiritual gift, of the value of serving the church community and how important it is to the church. There was a death in the early church in Acts chapter 9. Somebody died in Acts chapter 9. And because of that death, we get painted for us this beautiful example of the value of the spiritual gift of service. Because Peter was in town, the Apostle Peter was in town, and so the church called to Peter and said somebody had died, he had to come quick because there's been this death and um, Peter was to come and, and perform a miracle uh, to, to bring back to the church this person who had died. And you're thinking, who was it that died? Was it, you know, was it John? Was it, was it James? Was it you know, some key leader in the church? No, the, in Acts chapter 9, the one that the church was upset about losing wasn't, wasn't any of the apostles. It wasn't some great preacher of theirs. It was a woman named Tabitha. Well, who's Tabitha? Was she some sort of prophet? Was she a teacher? No, she, she sewed clothes for the church. She, she was in charge of sewing garments for the people who were in need of garments in the church. It says that this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. And all the widows stood by Peter, weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Tabitha had made while she was with them. And so here, they're, they're anxious for Peter to come and perform this miracle and, 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 and bring Tabitha back to them because she was so important to them because she sewed clothes. That's what she was doing for the church. She was a sower of clothes. She made garments for people. And so you have that gift of service in the church. Don't think that it's not important. It is of utmost importance, this gift of service to the church. And so you can say, hey, I can tune up your car, or I can change your oil, or I can shovel your drive, or I can bake you a pie, or I can bring you a meal, or I can fix your computer. 
whatever your talent is, whatever whatever abilities God has given you as a person, use that as the spiritual gift and understand that He's given you a spiritual gift of service to use that in the church. And some people, He has given that gift of just wanting to serve all the time. You know, some of you are like, yeah, I got lots of abilities, but I don't really feel like doing it for anybody. You know, and then there's other people that just, they're always wanting to help all the time. They have that spiritual gift of service. And they're just constantly wanting to help. And that's the Holy Spirit that is working through them to serve the church. And then Paul goes on. He says, one who teaches in his teaching. And so prophecy is proclaiming truth and service is illustrating truth. Teaching is clarifying truth. And Jesus did this as well. He said he used his teaching gifts by clarifying the law many times. In other words, he, he clarified what the law meant by murder in Matthew 5. In verse 21, he says, You have heard that it was said to you of old that you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, and so Jesus now is in his teaching mode, he starts to clarify the truth, and he clarifies what's being said. He says, I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And so Jesus takes the heart of God and the law of the Old Testament, and he clarifies it, and he teaches, and he says, You know what? It's not just about murder. It's not just about shooting somebody or killing somebody. It's when we have hatred in our heart and anger in our heart towards our brothers and sisters. It's that murderous thought that is the problem. It's the heart of man that is the error, that is puts us in danger of judgment. And so Jesus clarifies. And so people who are teachers and have the gift of teaching, they can look into Scripture and they can look into truth and they can clarify it. And they can provide illustration, and they can, they can demonstrate, and they can show what the truth means and so that it's accessible and able to be applied. So people hear a teacher clarify, and they know that the words of the teacher are right and authoritative because they clarify the truth for them. And they realize that that is how it applies to their life. Or Paul says, one who exhorts in his exhortation. And exhort just means is from the word paraclesis, which is paraclete, which is the other word for the Holy Spirit, which means helper or the coming alongside of or the comforter. And the disciples, uh, we see this actually, where Jesus actually exhibits this spirit as well, where the disciples are, are in fear in the storm, and Jesus had told them to go across ahead of them on the boat, and they're in the storm in the middle of the lake, and Jesus comes alongside them. You remember, He walks out on the water, and He comes out alongside the boat in the storm, and He says, Be of good cheer. Imagine the disciples in the middle of the lake in the, you know, the storm and they're worried that the, the boat's going to sink and there's thunder and lightning and all this stuff. And here's Jesus walking along beside the boat saying, be of good cheer. No problem. You know, but you have people in the church who are, are depressed, you know, or they're in the doldrums. They're in the spiritual valley. You know, they're not moving. They're just spiritually apathetic and they don't seem to know how to get going. It's those people that have the gift of exhortation who, who come alongside and who sort of pick us up and move us along and they cheer us up and they bring us along with them and they, they, they get us through those spiritual valleys. And so you know the type of people even here in Lakeside that I'm talking about. People who just seem to have the gift of exhortation, who come alongside and cheer you up and who build you up and who you know give you that push to make it through the next week or through the next month or to get you out of those doldrums, right? And they, and they just have that gift of exhortation. You know, and, and it can come in different forms. Sometimes it's an encouraging word. Sometimes it's you know building you up and, and uh, uh, making you feel good and feel better about yourself. And sometimes the gift of exhortation is basically um, you know kicking you in the pants and telling you you need to get going. You know the you know the gift of exhortation can work in different ways. And you probably know different people who exhort in those two different ways. Some people are the cheerful builder uppers, and other people are the pant kickers in your life. 
And uh, they both have the gift of exhortation. They just express it differently. Uh, keep them going here. In generosity, who contributes in his generosity? Giving is a gift. Generosity is a gift given to people by God. There are some people who just seem to be so generous and are able to contribute and are able to give in an overwhelming way and you can't figure it out. You know, there's, there's some people out there that figure out their tithes more carefully than their taxes, right? They're, they're down to the penny. And then there's other people who just sort of round it off to $20, uh, which is okay. And, uh, you know, that may be all you can afford and it's better than not contributing anything. Uh, but, but people just don't have the gift of giving. They don't understand giving. They don't understand offering. They don't understand the blessing that it is to other people to give. But there are people that have the gift of contribution or gift of generosity. You know, and the gift of giving is, 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 the, is the mindset of giving with joy and furthering the kingdom by generosity, of giving back to God in proportion to His blessing in ways that carry the kingdom of God forward. God has thousands of things that He wants to do in Halliburton. He has tens of thousands of things that He wants to do around the world. And He is working through people who have the gift of generosity and the gift of contribution to forward those things in His kingdom. That those people are giving back to God in proportion to the blessing that was poured out on them. And the giving that they give, it, it moves the kingdom forward. And these people may have the gift of earning money. They may have the gift of financial wealth, of investing. Uh, and they use that to give generously. Or they may not have a great financial wealth. They may not have a great uh, you know, portfolio. Or they may not be really wealthy. But they just have that gift where they give out of the proportion of what God has given them to see Jesus magnified and see the kingdom go forward. And so if God's blessed you with the gift of reaping, of expanding your fields, or, or has just blessed you in ways beyond your means, then you can just sow that back in by the gift of being generous, the spiritual gift of generosity that Paul mentions here. And then he says the one who leads with zeal, leading or ruling or administrating. You know, people just know how to get things done, who, how to move an organization from point A to point B. That's a spiritual gift. You know, you look at the chairs of committees, or you look at the people doing all the paperwork, or the administrators, or, or the elders, and you think, oh, that's just, you know, it's run like a business, or that's just busy work, or that, that's not spiritual, that's, you know, that's very, you know, business-like. It's not. It's a spiritual gift to be able to lead well. It's a spiritual gift to be able to plan well. It's a spiritual gift to be able to see how an organization or a group of people move from point A to point B and get things done well. The Holy Spirit is there in planning just as much as the Holy Spirit is there in execution. You know, I can even talk about that in terms of sermon preparation. Some people think that, you know, to preach by the Spirit, you just kind of come up here and uh, you got to let the Spirit work and don't stifle the Spirit. And so just preach as long or whatever topic that the Spirit leads you to do. And, and that's the Holy Spirit. That's a really Spirit-filled sermon or a Spirit-filled pastor if they just sort of spontaneously let the Holy Spirit work. And we kind of think of the Holy Spirit that way. But then I wonder, isn't the Holy Spirit present there during the hours that I'm preparing my sermon as well? Right? Like when I'm doing, when I'm reading my Bible and, and reading commentaries and praying and, and writing everything out and making sure that I have everything planned out, isn't the Holy Spirit working there too? I, I think the Holy Spirit's working there too, right? And it's the same thing with leadership. It's not just the Spirit being present here this morning. The Spirit is present in all the people who are planning what goes on and, and the people who are leading the church forward. And so if you have the spiritual gift of leadership, believe that it's spiritual. It's not just a talent. It's a spiritual gift to lead well. And then he says, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so this is one of the harder ones. In fact, it's hard to find a good direct examples because Jesus displayed mercy many times, but often we see His compassion and mercy at its most expressive when it seems to be with tears and, and not cheerfully, right? We see 
the gift of mercy in Jesus most often in the most crucial situations, whether it's at the tomb of Lazarus, and he is weeping because Lazarus has died, but he's about to do an amazing act of mercy for that family. Right? Or we see Jesus standing over Jerusalem, weeping because the people of Jerusalem, his, his own people, Israel, will not follow him. And so we see Jesus very sad at times when he's in his most profound works of mercy. And this may be why Paul has written it this way. Knowing that people who have the spiritual gift of mercy and people who are performing acts of mercy, this could be one of the hardest gifts to have. Because you're dealing with people in their most vulnerable and in their most emotionally uh, delicate times and in their most uh, the, the, the hardest times of their life is when they need people with the gift of mercy. And so people with the gift of mercy always seem to be there at the roughest moments. And so of all the spiritual gifts, this can be one of the most difficult ones for those that have it. And I know many of you have the spiritual gift of mercy because you're there at the bedside. You're there at the hospital. You're there during the crisis. You're there when the tears are flowing to show mercy to people. And so as, as we're fully engaged in mercy ministries, we have to work not to be pulled too deeply into the hurt and the need that we're meeting, but to remember that as we join in that and show mercy, that it's joy that we are ultimately trying to bring into that need. And we need to guard our own joy. People who have the spiritual gift need to guard their own joy while they're expressing that gift so that, so that they don't get caught up in or, or dragged into the despair of the situations that they're bringing mercy to. And so the gift of mercy is very, very difficult. And we see Jesus express it over and over and over again. And so these are just some of the spiritual gifts. And, and I want to make sure that we understand the, the value of our spiritual gifts to the corporation. And the first thing of, of, of your spiritual gift and all of our spiritual gifts together is that it provides a voice for that gift at the corporate level. So now, this is how the gifts are working. We've talked about some of the gifts, and they're kind of esoteric, prophecy and exhortation, kind of real weird words. So we want to see how they actually work. And the first thing that you have to understand about your spiritual gift is we want it and we need it in the church. It provides a voice for that gift at the corporate level. Right? And this is what I mean. that There's lots of ideas or people that have ideas about what the church should be. And so they will say things. People will say things like this. Maybe you've heard them in your own conversations. They'll say, oh, it would be a much better church if they were just more generous. Or... You know, I like that church. They love each other, but there isn't, you know, the teaching isn't all that great. You know, or this church really needs to show more compassion and mercy. It's a good church, but they're really heavy on teaching, and they don't really show very much mercy and compassion. They're kind of, you know, they're not that loving of a church. You know? And, and, or, or people might say, well, it's a great church. There's lots of people there, but there's no volunteers. It's hard to find anybody to get anything done. You know, there's, they don't serve one another. You know, and it's often easy for people to start to say, this church would be great if everybody just agreed with what I think it needs most. Right? You've all had those conversations, right? Like, it's a great church, but I think it would be better if it agreed with me. Right? But that's the whole point of the diversity of the spiritual gifts, is that we need all these things. We need service, and we need teaching, and we need mercy, and we need prophecy, and we need exhortation, and we need generosity. And so your spiritual gift is given to you for the exact purpose that it would be given a voice and that would be given visibility at the corporate level. So that people on the outside looking into Lakeside, they wouldn't be able to say this about any of these areas. They wouldn't be able to say, well, Lakeside is great, except, you know, the teaching's not all that great. Or they wouldn't be able to say, well, Lakeside's a good church, but they don't really serve each other very well. Or I like Lakeside, but they're not very merciful. We don't want any of these areas to be lacking. And so every gift is needed to be expressed by you who have those gifts. You've got them. And so you need to express those gifts so that Lakeside is above reproach in that. So 
so that nobody can look at Lakeside and say we're lacking in any area. We want all of the gifts to show so that none of those things can be said. And so use your gifts so the church can express all the good things that God intends us to express. That's your gift operating at the corporate level. That people can see the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work. And then the second thing is applying your gift in a place where there's an uncommon or extraordinary need. So that's just the general use of the gifts. But this is, this is where you'll start to see where your gift might be. Is that we need the spiritual gifts in areas where there's an extraordinary need. Because we're, we're just needs are sort of normal, um, you know, a gift, you don't need, you don't necessarily need a spiritual gift to enable to accomplish it, but you need a spiritual gift where there's an extraordinary need and, and people need that extra uh, sort of power of the Holy Spirit there. And I'll, and I'll give you an example, but I'll use a simple example, and I, I used it before, so this might be a refresher for some of you, but as I give this example, you think about what your spiritual gift might be and how it, how it might act. So this is how all these different gifts now work in a practical situation in the church. And so I, somebody, maybe I'm, I, I need a drink of water or something, right? This is my example. So I need a drink of water. I'm up here. I'm preaching. I'm getting kind of dry because I'm just talking so fast to get through this sermon in time for you guys. And, uh, and I need a drink of water. And so I say to somebody, and I think I used Annabelle last time, so I'll use her again. So I, Annabelle, I need a drink of water. And she's get, going to get a glass of water for me, and she brings a glass of water up. But as she's coming up, she trips and she falls and she breaks the glass. And there's water all over the floor. Now, I'm not blaming you, Annabelle. This is just an illustration. But she trips and, and she breaks the glass, and there's water all over the floor, right? And so now this is a crisis in the church. This is, this is like a, an important need in the church right now of what's going on. And now how we respond to that situation illuminates how these different gifts work. And so if you have the gift of prophecy, you might react to that situation right now. And you might be thinking and, and wanting to speak into Annabelle's life and say something like, Annabelle, the world is full of pitfalls. You have to be careful how you walk, lest you are led astray from the right path. And there's consequences if you take the wrong path. Right? You could trip and fall and break something. That's what somebody with the gift of prophecy would be. How could I teach out of this? What truth could I speak into this? Or you might have the gift of mercy. You, you might be like, oh, Annabelle, you know, I know how you feel, and I do that all the time, you know. You know, you come down here and you want to give Annabelle a hug, you know, because, you know, don't listen to that prophecy guy. He's just being mean. Uh, you know, it wasn't your fault. You know, just give me a big hug. It's fine. That's the gift of mercy in action, right? Or maybe you're thinking, if, if she broke the glass and there's water all over the floor, you're thinking, where's the mop? Right? Like, I get, this needs to be cleaned up, and I know where the mop is. I'm going to go to the closet, get the mop, start cleaning this up so that nobody steps in the glass. And uh, that's the gift of service, right? So if you respond to a situation like that, thinking, you know, you need to get that cleaned up, then maybe you've got the gift of service. Right? Or if you're sitting there and you have the gift of leading, and I told that story, you're thinking, okay, we need a system in place to make sure this doesn't happen again. So we'll use plastic bottles... And the worship team leader will make sure that there's one for each person who's on stage each Sunday. And we'll have to label them with a Sharpie so they don't get mixed up, right? And so if you have the gift of leadership, that's what you're thinking. Why is it a glass anyway? And how come it's not already on the stage? And, you know, we'll get a system in place to take care of this. That's the gift of, of leadership. And then there's the gift of teaching, you know, to clarify the prophecy guide, right? And the gift of teaching would say, the gift of teaching would say, Annabelle, you know, when you carry water, you know, make sure there's no condensation on the glass because it's slippery. If you notice that the glass has condensation on it, it can be slippery. And hold it with both hands and always watch where you're walking. You know, so the gift of teaching would come alongside and say, you know, let me just help you instruct and clarify how it is that this particular thing gets done. 
Or if you have the gift of giving, you're thinking, how much would it be just to buy some plastic cups? Because we can just, you know, here's a hundred bucks, we'll buy like a hundred of them at the buck store, and we've got lots of plastic cups, and we don't have to worry about it anymore. And uh, so if you have the gift of giving, you might be thinking that, you know, we can solve this with money. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the gift of giving, or generosity, or, or I've, you know, I've, I've got a whole bunch of stuff at home, I can just bring it, whatever. And so you have a situation in the church, and, and depending on the spiritual gift, you look at that situation differently. Everybody sees the same event. But depending on your spiritual gift, everybody looks at it differently. And that's what's going on in every situation in the church. You can look at the same event and see it differently. And so when somebody's in the hospital, or something happens where there's a fire, like we have going on, not everybody's going to respond to that in the same way. Some people are going to be rushing to the bedside, or they're going to be rushing to the, the scene of the fire, and they're going to be trying to help. And other people will be trying to plan for how this doesn't happen again, or they're going to be... Um, you know, working with the local file department or doing whatever, but everybody's going to respond in a different way. And that's what the church needs, is it needs all these gifts working together. But what we have to understand about our spiritual gift is that we don't all see it the same way. Nor is equipped to, not everybody is equipped to respond to the hardest and deepest needs the same way. Right? For most situations of encouragement or mercy or teaching or prophecy, we can all do it. We can all speak truth. We can all teach. We can all serve. We can all show mercy. right? In most situations, we can all do it, and we should all be doing it at some common level. If water is spilled and it needs to be mopped up, mop it up. Don't say, well, my gift isn't service, so I'm not mopping. right? Like, we can all serve in these areas most of the time. If the Sunday school needs helpers, and Elena does need help in grade 1 to 4 right now, then help out. Don't say, well, I don't have the gift of teaching. We have teachers there. They will do the teaching. You can just, as long as you know how scissors and glue works, you're fine. And, uh, you know, you can help out. Those are in the common situations. But in the toughest cases, in the situations that go outside the normal day-to-day operation of the church in life, we need our experts. We need our specialists. And this is where the spiritual gifts come in. When the cancer strikes, when the house burns down, when bankruptcy is declared, when the marriage is splitting, when the, the kid's in jail, whatever the crisis is, that's when you need the people with spiritual gifts to be stepping up. You do not want the guy with the gift of prophecy to be trying to show mercy. It doesn't work. I know. I have the gift of prophecy. <laughs> it doesn't work when I try to show mercy in those crisis situations. Right? And if you have the person who has the gift of mercy, they are not going to be able to guide people through the most difficult teaching moments of their life because they are so overwhelmed with compassion with the situation that they're in that they cannot bring the truth of Scripture to bear on their life in the way that it needs to be bared. And so when you need that teaching moment, you need that teacher with the gift of teaching to be able to open up the Scripture and show how it applies. The person with the gift of mercy will not help in those situations. And so when the crisis moment comes, we need everybody's gifts in action to deal with those crisis moments. And I'll close with this, just one last thing, a warning on gift projection. Because this is just something, when we start to get caught up in this idea of spiritual gifts, and I have the gift of prophecy, or I have the gift of teaching, or I have the gift of mercy, or service, or leading, or whatever, what happens is, is we start to project our gift onto other people. And we start to say, everybody should react the same way I react. And that this, that people are not really good Christians unless they express the same gift that I have. In other words, I would say, it's not really a good church unless that church has good teaching. If it has good teaching, then it's a good church, and I don't really care about anything else. And then other people would say, the teaching doesn't matter. Show me people who love each other. 
Show me people who have the love of Christ in mercy and generosity towards each other. That's a good church. Right? And then other people say, well, if the leadership is bad, it can't be a good church. If there's no good leadership and it's no good church, that's just a bunch of people getting together and having fun. That's not a church. You know, you got to have structure. you got to have organizing. you got to have projects, programs and projects going on or it's not a good church. And the danger here is in gift projection. You take your gift and you think everybody has to have it the same way you do. And so as you think about your spiritual gift and the gift that's given you, understand that we all need each other's gifts. We all need each other's gifts in times of crisis. And we all need each other's gifts in order that all of the gifts are expressed in the church and not project our gift onto other people. Understand that God has placed people with different spiritual gifts in the church for a reason. Romans 12:24 says, God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. That's the bottom line of the spiritual gifts. Yeah, they're all different. And they're all, even, even if we have different gifts, even the people with the same gifts express them differently. It says, Paul says that they've been given gifts that they express to the grace that's been given to them. And so you might have a gift that the grace is given to you in a different way to express that gift. And, but all of the parts of the body, the division that's in the body, is so that the parts would have equal concern for each other. They're all valuable. They're all honorable. They all serve a purpose in the church. Myself and the other staff and the elders and the ministry leaders here, we can present the opportunity for you to use your gift, but in the end, you need to use your gift. And as your gifts come together, as our spiritual gifts come together, people actually see the Holy Spirit at work. Right? As people outside of the church look at Lakeside and they see the spiritual gifts working together in the body of believers, then they see the love of Christ at work. They say, how do all these different people manage to get along and love each other and contribute to each other's lives and express the love towards each other the way they do. That is the gift of the Holy Spirit being shown through you. And so as our gifts come together with other gifts, people actually see the Holy Spirit at work. As our gifts come together, the Spirit of God is present. And people not involved with that see what is happening and they wonder what they're missing. And they hear the singing and they see the care that we have for each other. And they hear about the service that we do in the community and do to each other. And they hear about what is going on and the missions that are being served in the other countries. And all of those things they hear and they see that the love of God is there. And it draws them to the church. And so use your spiritual gift. It's been given to you for a purpose. To build up the body of Christ. Matthew 5.14 says, You are as the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And so we are on display. We're on display for the world to see. And when we're on display, we want to show them our spiritual gift. We want to show it in action in our church. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this series, for this time that we're spending on your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the teaching on the spiritual gifts. It's something that we all encounter at some point in our life. What is my gift and how do I express it? And Lord, this is just an encouragement from the Apostle Paul here that all of our gifts are so different, but all of them so valuable. That we want to use our gifts to put on display so that nobody can look at Lakeside and say, this is lacking or that is lacking, but everything is there. The prophecy and the teaching and the exhortation and the service and the mercy and the compassion and the giving, all of these gifts are at play. And we love each other for the diversity of our gifts and want to express them. And so, Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes to what our gift is and teach us how we can use it with our brothers and sisters here this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.